Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. We're back with a bonus episode. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Monty. And I'm Matt. And this is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week, we take you through a different country's national final and pick the song that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. At the end of the series, you, the listeners, will vote for your favourites. And at our live event, we crown the winner of the second cherry song contest. Woo! But that's all in normal times. This is a bonus episode, so we're doing things a bit differently. (laughs) We we are. We are back. Hello, everybody. Hello. <laughs> We're returning, as is now customary, with a few bonus episodes to entice you, whet your appetite even, stimulate you, Ooh. ready for the Eurovision and the new Second Cherry season. Despite the good weather here in the UK, we've closed the windows and kind of soundproofed Monty's kitchen, kind of. Alarmingly, the microphone didn't need a dust in. God knows what Monty's been up to during the long, cold winter months. But let's move on swiftly. How the devil are you, Monty? Very well, thank you. Excuse me. I've been putting this microphone to good use. It's been the only way I can communicate with the outside world on my Only Cherries account. (laughs) (laughs) For a small fee, I will perform an interpretative dance for you of a song that got discarded from the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> Hashtag private prancer. Where do you sing? F- no, actually, I went to... I've got to get through lockdown somehow, <laughs> God damn it! But we did get through lockdown, Monty. We did. Here we are. Well, it's kind of, we're still semi, you know, Lockdown. Yeah, we're allowed, like, we're okay, we're not breaking any rules no. in recording this. Yes, because we're bubbled and we're working anyway. Yeah. This is the job. Well, we are now, you've got your OnlyFans, so. <laughs> it's <laughs> monetized. Only cherries. I, I've been desperate to get back to this. Gagging. Gagging. Okay. We've all been there in those national finals. We've seen you all tweeting and messaging and asking our opinions and giving your own opinions. It's been. We've, we've seen you there, but this feels like we're kind of like back. So we are going to take you on a little canter through this year's actual Eurovision songs. We did this last year because we thought it would make up a little bit for the fact that Eurovision was cancelled. But even though it's going ahead this year, we thought, actually, we quite like doing that. And why don't we have a little few bonus episodes to look at the songs? To whet your appetite, as Matt says. Yeah, absolutely. And so... Let's jump into it. Yeah, we might not cover every song. We might just pick out a few highlights and not do them all. But here we go. Semi-final one. So first up, opening semi-final one is Lithuania. And uh, I said we might not talk about everyone. So let's move swiftly on <laughs> to song number two. Can I quickly, though? Uh, we should probably play, play the song. Do we have to? Yeah, we probably should. Go on then. Well, someone is spending their newfound Warner Music money quite well. I think you'll find looking quite slick. 
not you're not a fan, Monty. So uh, we'll move swiftly on. But I just want to say, if you are the Roop and you are returning to Eurovision after a cancelled contest, this is probably the song to do it. Do you know? I don't. I don't like this. I I can't put my finger on what it is about the Roop, but I didn't get them last year, and I don't get them this year. I do think this is slightly better than their song last year. But it still annoys the titting crap out of me. And I just can't get past it. There's a point very near the start of the video when the hand goes behind the head and wiggles. Just that, And from then, I just cannot. I just <laughs> can't after that. I know people like it. I know it's doing really well in the betting. I think it's eighth in the betting at the minute. But no, it's just not for me. And I don't want to be negative about an opening number because I know it's going to come on stage and it's going to have lots of energy and everything, but no, no, okay, it's just not for me. I think he's lost the egginess of his voice, like you know that grating vocal which people spoke about last year about mm-hmm. the song where it was a bit afflicted his voice with something. He's lost that, and actually, I think you're right. It is a better song. It could be one of their better placings at Eurovision. I reckon this could do quite well. So, is it qualifying though, Monty? Oh, it's qualifying. Yeah. I think, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to the next song. Song number two is Slovenia. It's Anna Soklic and Amen. Thoughts on Anna? Well, you know, can I get an amen up in here? You know, you wait forever and two come along at once. Yeah. We've got two amens this year. I, I'm not getting off to a good start, really, because this doesn't do it for me either. There's something quite nice about Anna, and I think she's a cracking singer. But what I realised last year when I heard um, the local version and the English version, she sings quite differently in English. And I don't know if it is this thing where people have less confidence and sing less full-heartedly in a language that isn't their own, or whether it's the, the way that the English lyrics scan. But I think she would sound better singing this in Slovenian. Yes. Uh, maybe because for me I'm glad she's returning any artist that missed out on last year I'm glad they're returning but this has little impact and when it sits next to Lithuania and it sits in between that and the Russian song which we're about to talk about I think it's just going to get lost I think this isn't qualifying no I don't think it is either and I've actually warmed to it a little more in reviewing the songs than I did when I first heard it but I still don't think it has enough to really get it anywhere so song three is A Russian Woman by Manisha I am a bit of a Russophile. 
because of having lived in the Soviet Union, uh, or the, as it finished being the Soviet Union. And I think there's something really nice about Russian culture, which I don't think we often get to see because we think of Russia through the prism of its government. And I think there's something really refreshing about this because it's a song that is so out of kilter with the message of the Russian government. It's just so exciting. You know, it's almost as if we got this song by accident. Something happened with Little Big. I don't know what, but the feeling was that it was going to be Little Big and then something didn't work out in their negotiations with the broadcaster, which meant we had a very hastily arranged national final. Pop-up national final. Pop-up national final. More of that when we get to the Russian episode. But it's almost like this song, they've asked her to take part without really understanding who she is. And I love the fact that as an artist, she's, you know, pro-feminist, she's pro-LGBT. You know, she just feels like a breath of fresh air. Yeah, hats off to her. This is a brave choice. And you're right, I think uh, it is deemed, some of the things that she sings about and in, and is pro is deemed unsavoury by in certain parts of Russia. So I'm really kind of glad that she's managed to not snuck, sneak through because she's she's there. She won a national final, mm. she's there. But like you said, it was a roundabout way of getting to Eurovision for Russia I'm just, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad she's here. Do you know, I think sometimes that a so- for a song to win, it needs to capture something of the, the zeitgeist. And in a way, there couldn't be a more 2021 thing than having to defend your ethnicity, your gender and your social views from an onslaught of right-wing attacks. <laughs> <laughs> so she could be perfectly, perfectly placed to do really well here. I think this will do great. I love the way that she brings in elements of traditional Russian folk and traditional singing style, um, but she subverts it all by the, you know, the theme of the song and, you know, just turning all of these stereotypes of, you know, what women are supposed to do mm. completely on their head. I love this, and I would love her to do really, really well with this. I'd love her to do well because it's so much harder for your critics to detract from you if you've gone back home with a really good placing. You think it's qualifying? Oh, absolutely. I think this is top ten. Oh, wow. Okay. Without a doubt. See, weird, it's an enigma to me, so I can't call it. If this came last in its semi-final, I'd be like, I I understand. If it wins its semi-final, I'd be like, okay, I understand. Mm. It's, it's, It's complete, to me, it's a borderline slash wild card thing. I can't call it. I think it probably will qualify, but I, if I had to put mine on it, no idea. It's an enigma to me, and I love that. Fabulous. So, song four, in the running order will be Sweden, and it's two set with voices. If Russia was an enigma to you, I think there could be no less of an enigma than Sweden. It's just all there. You know exactly what you're getting from this song. I like this. I'm a little surprised it won. 
Melfest. And I'm a little surprised it won Melfest with such strong backing from the international juries. I thought this was a song that would have local support on the back of who he was and them knowing him from, um, I think it was Swedish Idol. He was, uh, yeah. That he was in. Um, so I was surprised that this um, had that appeal. And I'm a little scared that it had that appeal because I think this is the song that could score steadily sevens and eights from everybody whilst everything else is dividing the, the field because I don't think I can remember as divisive a field this, this year. There's no clear winner. The favourites are peppering across the whole field and I think it's either going to be for an exciting vote or something like this is just going to come through the middle scoring third, fourth, fifth place from everybody and get enough cumulatively to take the crown. Yeah, I, I think bang on, it's exactly what I've written in my notes as well. It's a solid Swedish en- entry as per, you know it's solid because it's one Milfest. And yeah, split voting could be the jewel in this crown for Tusa. So I don't know, let's keep an eye on it. But look, one thing I do want to say actually is that uh, he's 19 years of age and look at some of the great things he's achieved already. He won Idol, he won Melfest, he's going to Eurovision. He's 19 years old, good for him. Oh, he's great. Mm. I think he's fantastic. Just think the song is a little predictable. True, agreed. One song that's not predictable is Australia. Montaigne with Technicolor. Is this another enigma to me? Maybe, but for different reasons to Russia. So we got the live performance. Well, we got a live performance from her. It was Ropey AF. Um, That's very generous. Well, yeah, but I think, I mean, it was, let's be honest. But this is a very tough song to sing. Really tough, actually. The conditions in which we were delivered that, performance were an outside Mardi Gras in a stadium performance that is hard enough she had choreography which a little a bit wooden didn't help her out and I think all the things thrown it all into one pot it just didn't quite work it will get better because you just know they'll tighten it up my big question is whether it's right for Eurovision because for all those reasons will it improve enough Will they get the choreography right? We know that Australia can stage. They can stage the fuck out of um, a Eurovision entry. We know that. And I expect that. But, yeah, I'm a little bit... This is qualifying for me, but just... I'm not sure. I don't think it's qualifying in its current format. Mm. I think that performance at Sydney Mardi Gras was unfortunate. I think, you know, the vocals were ropey, as you say. And also there was the, you know, the the smoke machines billowing and blowing in all the wrong direction and it just looked a mess. Um, And I feel sorry for her that that's the thing that she's being judged on. 
obviously when it gets to Eurovision she'll be judged on what performance she does on the night or from the backup tape and that could be very very different and I really hope it is because she feels like an interesting enough artist that you don't want it to be Australia's first non-qualifier mm. but I just don't think there's enough to get through I'm surprised I don't like it more when I first heard it on audio I thought oh this is interesting there's a little bit of kind of Rina Sawayama, which I hear through this, that kind of hyper pop star, which I like and I know you love, mm. but it, I just don't like it as much as Rina Sawayama. It just doesn't quite hit the spot enough for me. So yeah, this on current form is a non-qualifier for me. Yeah. But she could pull it off on the night. Yeah, question marks. Song number six then is North Macedonia. We've got Vassal with Here I Stand. What are your thoughts? Well, it's hard to separate this from all of the political brouhaha. Yeah, do you ex- going explain on that a bit? Well, it's just, it's a bit ridiculous, really. But Vasil is, um, has dual nationality. Um, he got Bulgarian ancestry. And the, the relationship between the Bulgarians and the Macedonians has flared up lately um, as a result uh, I mean there's decades centuries long tensions but it's flared up uh, regarding Macedonia's potential membership of the EU so in the 12 months since Vasa was selected and Eurovision was cancelled and he's been selected again this has been going on in the background and then uh, when he launched the video it's in a museum and there was a piece of art in the background that had that looked vaguely like the colours of the Bulgarian flag. And so people have misinterpreted this, willfully misinterpreted it, I think, um, as being a bit of pro-Bulgarian propaganda, and it's all flared up. And I think in the middle of this, here's Vasil absolutely, completely unintentionally um, becoming this kind of poster child for the hatred of some... Macedonian nationalists and I think it must have been so distracting for him um, which is a real shame because I think Vassal is a really interesting artist having said that I wasn't so impressed by the song last year and I'm also not that impressed by the song this year uh, the reason I'm not impressed is because I've seen some of his stuff that he's doing which is kind of like Balkan pop and I think it's stunning and I would have loved something like that for Eurovision this is a little schmaltzy, a little saccharine, a little overblown. For me, it's not my musical style. And I just feel it's a little bit of a waste of some really good potential from Basil as an artist. Yeah. It's all, it pains me to say it because I really want to, I want him to succeed. But I don't think this is the song that he's going to do that with. Yeah, I I agree. I I I'm worried. I'm really worried. I I I like the song. It's not like the song is bad or anything like that. And it does stand out because it's the only song of its type. That's true. In this semi final at Eurovision, you know, I do have a soft spot for Vassal. I don't mind saying I do know him. I've interviewed him. I've got to know him over the last year. Uh, however, head over heart, 
I know that this is struggling to qualify. This is struggling to qualify and it's got nothing to do with him. It's just a song just isn't stand out in a way that it needs to. His vocal on this song though is exceptional. You could even go as far as to say he's probably it's probably going to be the best male vocal of the contest because he can sing every type of voice, head voice, chest voice, falsetto. He he he, he nails it. I think it's going to be a really special performance and now knowing what we know about the situation, the political it's taken on a new meaning. It will boost the song but I don't think it's going to qualify and it's a real shame. Song seven is Island. It's Leslie Roy back again with Maps. Thank God Leslie is returning because I think last year... Uh, would have been a little, little bit disappointing for the Irish in terms of where she would have came with her previous song. This year, so good. So good. I love this. It's a sound we're all too familiar with. Yes, granted. But it lifts the move perfectly. We've just had North Macedonia in the running order and then bang this to really lift the mood again. I think that's going to have like a multiplied effect. Not everything at Eurovision has to be new and innovative. This is a perfect example of its song type. I think it's qualifying. And uh, I just want to make a point about Leslie talking about artists who have engaged with the Eurovision fans over the last 12 months. She's really engaged with everyone, got involved. She's here for the crack. Love her. Absolutely love her. Love the song. I agree with you about last year. I think she would have missed out last year. I think this is a better song. I still think... She's got her work cut out for her. But I have 15 songs of the 16 in this first semi-final that I think could qualify. Um, I've got five or six that I think are dead certs. And then I've got nine or ten, which I think could go either way. And she's in the middle of that, that group. I do like it. I fear a little bit. I don't think her diction is as clear as it could be I needed to look at the lyrics to work out what she was singing and I think that when she performs she's a little bit static now I don't think that they need to throw a whole load of complicated choreography at her but this is something where I think they could be quite creative with the camera angle and how it's shot and what the overall feel of it is on stage um because I think she needs it I'm not sure she's the most engaging performer naturally but she'll do her best to sell this. Yeah, it's a sort of song that she she should be singing. It's very much her song, isn't it? If I was Irish, this is an entry I could be absolutely proud of. 100%. But I don't know if it's going to qualify. I think if it doesn't qualify, though, it's not because it doesn't deserve to. It's because, as I say, there are so many songs in this semi-final that could easily go either way. Song number eight, then, is Cyprus with El Diablo, sung by Elena Sagrino. Monty, 
What do you think? This is my favourite of the whole year. Oh, okay. I mean, I did not know that. I've heard it all before because it's as if you've picked up a Bad Romance era Gaga song or several songs, thrown all the notes up in the air and just rearranged them slightly differently. So it's reminiscent of those tunes, but just slightly different enough to get away with it. But that is the kind of pop music I love. I think this is fantastic. And I can't get enough of all the hullabaloo that is around it with all of the Orthodox Greeks going, oh my God, she's sold herself to the devil and we can't have this representing us. And of course, as soon as you start talking like that, it's just brought more attention to the song, Mm. which is just brilliant. I've not seen her perform live. I don't know what she's going to be like. But if she can carry the energy of the video, I think she's absolutely on something. Not a winner, but I think this could be a really good top 10 solid result. And by God, do we need this fun? This is the banger that I've wanted. This is the kind of pop that I just adore. And I lap it up. I'd happily sell myself to the devil for more songs <laughs> like this. Well, I'm going to... I, I'm going to say something because we, we don't have a Cypriot episode this year, so we can talk about this now. But do we need to call time at the bar? Has Cyprus had one too many shots of the glorious potion that is the 2018 entry Fuego and say, look, mate, you've had enough. Time to go home for, to your wife and kids. Because, look, it is a great song, easy to listen to, really well produced really well produced you get that from cyprus year after year i never skip it on the playlist great song etc etc but if cyprus is going for the win this isn't the one i feel like they need to shake things up a little bit because it's just fuego 0.3.4 now and uh look this is qualifying easily but um i think i'm a bit bored of this strategy now. Cyprus has absolutely had too many goes and too many shots of this <laughs> but you know that we are not going home until we've had another shot if something like this comes on at the end of the night at the Euro Club. So I will take a shot. <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> Long may they rain if they're going to do things like this. Love it, love it, love it. So, from El Diablo to A Fallen Angel it's over to Norway with ticks. Matt. I think Norway are in trouble. Despite, yeah, well, despite having arguably the one of the strongest national finals of the year. We'll talk about that in the episode. Let's not talk about how it came to be, but look at the song itself. Tix has a story behind him, which I don't think he is translating well to the public. I think there's a bit of a PR issue here. With this song, it's kind of like... if you let, let, Okay, let's look at the national final performance because that's what we've got to go on right now. It was very clumsy, on-the-nose, angel-slash-dark-angel concept. Is totally incongruous with the song, um, which is actually quite a beautiful message. His look is baffling to me. This whole uh, character of Tix is kind of his armour against hate and some of his anxiety that he's had. He's spoken about that. 
but his look is just, it, it baffles me. I've set my stall out when I talk about people who wear glasses on stage and I'm going to have to say it again. It's ridiculous. Take the fucking glasses off. I do not like it. I'm going to say it again. Um, I hope all these things are sort of addressed before Eurovision because if we get something like that presented on stage, I don't think it's very fresh. I think it's in trouble. Borderline qualifier for me. This is an example of something like a Jamie Lee for Germany for me, where you pick an artist who is on the crest of a wave of popularity at home, but you put them on the international stage and nobody has a clue who they are. And when I was told that Tix is the biggest star in Norway at the moment, I was like, well, it's game over. This just feels like, you know, he's going to get all of that support, particularly from a public vote. And I think that this is just not going to come over well on stage. I think there's a, there is an issue with the image. I think you're absolutely right there. Because, unfortunately, you look at it and you think, you look ridiculous, mate. And when you know a little bit about, you know, this is his look, and you know a little bit about, you know, this is who the artist is, you can kind of get over that. But when you're just watching for three minutes, people are going to have no idea of that. And I think if they do something so ridiculously overblown as that, you know, angel devil presentation... I think this could be in trouble. It's in that group for me where it could go either way. Yeah. I could see it qualifying because the song is not bad. It's not my style. It's a bit plain for me, but I can see there's something there in the song. But no, this is just not working at all. Mm, yeah. And it's got to because of how many good songs there were in Norway. But zip me up yeah. until we get to the Norwegian episode. It's going to be a good episode, that one, I tell you. So, moving on. Song number 10, uh, talking about people who do really well locally in their own country, but song number 10 from Croatia is Albina with TikTok. Monty, thoughts? Uh, I've heard a version in Croatian and it's better. Um, I don't know. I quite like this when I'm listening to it, but there's nothing really there to make me think that's the one I want to vote for when, you know, when the recap's going to come. Um, I think she's quite an interesting performer, quite engaging, and, you know, she can carry off the performance quite well, as we saw in the Croatian final, but I just don't think there's enough to it. It surprised me, actually, because quite a lot of people have this near the top of their favourites. And I know the favourites are spread around so much this year. But I, well, I think this is... I, I, it's not it's not there for me. Yeah, I think it did, It was a little bit standout in, in the national final, Dora. Dora 2021. Um, she was on The Voice. She's known... This went to number one after Dora. It was quite big. It's kind mm. of like, like how The Roop went big in... Lithuania, and none of that's going to translate to the wider audience voting during Eurovision, I don't think. She's very talented, but this song just doesn't show that off, and I think non-qualifier. I'm actually quite sure of that, unfortunately. Belgium next, and Hooverphonic with The Wrong Place. Okay. You're lying next to me, I don't know where to 
this the right place for this song? It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's in a place. Uh, it exists. This gives me 90s Britpop vibes. This isn't Britpop, but the musicality of the song kind of lends itself. Uh, it just reminds me of those songs from the 90s. Um, you know, that era when I was at school. Um, this is straight up non-qualifying, by the way, I think, uh, because I just can't see what people will vote for it. What's the, the thing they're going to grab? And like, oh, I like that song. It's mid-tempo. It's kind of got a, a slight mood to it, but nothing stands out. It's going to be performed really professionally. They are, you know, a well-known band, lots of experience, solid song. Ugh, but that that's kind of it. And in between Croatia and the next song that we'll talk about, two contemporary entries with full-on choreo, this I think is going to get lost. I'm really interested to see what they do with this on stage because the video is one heck of a mood. There's something really, really quite astonishing about it. You know, she's waking up in her ex's bed and she's full of regret. And then the next thing, she's stomping around with a couple of antique dueling pistols. And then the next thing, she's cut his head off. And it's like his severed head is in the middle of the floor. Still singing, so freshly hewn. <laughs> and I just think, my God, just don't put me in the green room with her when she doesn't qualify. <laughs> because I don't know if this kind of underlying tension that's there in the video has anything to do with the fact that she's the sixth vocalist they've had. Actually, she's the fifth, and they got rid of the sixth to bring her bring back. Bring her back, again. yeah. So it's a seventh stint as a vocalist overall. Um, but yeah, I don't know. This is not my style. And I think that the style of music is not the most obvious to find in Eurovision, which means that it could find support where you least expect it, or it could just fall flat. But I'm really, really interested to see if they bring any of that kind of mood from the video. It's hard to recreate that visually, I think, on stage, but there's something really interesting about the visual presentation of it and that's what's making me want to see this hmm okay okay well song number 12 is Israel and Edina Ling with Set Me Free On Eden or on the song? Oh, both. On Eden, I love her. Yeah. On the song, I think she's been sold a pop. I think that all of the songs she had in her selection last year were infinitely better than the ones they had this year. And I think even though they've tried to revamp the shit out of it, it still is... It's a plaster fix. Yeah, it's just not quite strong enough for me. Which is such a shame because I love... Love, love her. Yeah, we've made no bones about it on this podcast. We think she's an absolute star. She is. I feel there's real growth from last year to now. She kind of just feels like she just is where she needs to be. But this song isn't the one. She's an exceptional talent. We know this. The the You're right. Last year's songs, much better than this year's songs. I think she knows that. I think <laughs> you could tell from her face. I don't know. She wasn't... 
sold on the songs, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Yeah, she'd um, never win a game of poker. No. <laughs> yeah. Good for her, though, you know. Um, but that said, I think it is sneaking into the final because I think the vocal is going to be so good. She's not going to hit a note wrong. Uh, but this is going to finish... Well, fifth- she could, because they've added in those kind of, you know, show-off, whistly high notes at the end in the revamp. And she can make them, but it's going to be a challenge to do that on live when you're at the end of performing and dancing a song. Uh, it's maybe too much of a risk for me. And I, it's, I just don't feel it adds anything to the song by bringing these notes in. I know it's kind of, you know, a little bit of jury catnip to go, oh, look at, you know, look at my technical ability. Yeah. But I don't think it adds to the song. Well, for people that wouldn't know, it's had a revamp and it had a key change. And I think they've not got the key change now and they've kind of just slid into more impressive ad libs, which I think is a good move. Let's see. Let's see how she does it. She's lost a lot of flavour from last year, I think. Last year was interesting and just, oh, yeah, give it to me. This year, like, okay, okay. Lock up your dogs in Rotterdam, because, my God, that note is high. (laughs) Song 13, it's Roxon, another returner with amnesia. What a difference a year makes when you're young, eh? Doesn't it just? Uh, yeah, talking about real, real growth from last year. Here's an artist that just seems like she's suddenly the artist that we we wanted last year. Feels like her song. It's her song rather than a song that's been given to her, I think. When you go mid-tempo, you need something to hook your audience, right? Something's got to hook you, especially when you're asking for votes. And... This sort of like self-reflective, dramatic tone of amnesia is a good choice. I think there's something here for people to like. I've seen a lot of uh, people online and some friends say it, they rank, rank it really, really high. They love it. This works for me. Qualify, yeah, I'm going to call it. There's a lot of songs this year for me that I think are good and there's a consistent quality throughout many of the songs. But I find there are fewer really standout tracks for me and this is one of those that I think is good but not wow I think you're right about the difference a year makes I think you know she's come back as a seemingly much more prepared artist and much more ready for the the battle I feel we're a little bit harsh on her last year when we recorded the podcast for Romania right yeah I think we laid into her a little bit too much but you know She's back. There's a little bit of... It's making me think, you know, is there value in holding people back a little bit? Because I think, you know, with her and with Destiny for Malta, who we're going to talk about, I think they there's there's value in them having had an extra year to mature. And which is making me think now, don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs. Worthington, <laughs> the Cole Porter song. Um, you know, about sort of, you know, not being somebody who puts your, your child into the spotlight before they're, in that case, they were never going to be ready. But, mm. you know, it, is there something about, you know, giving people the time to be ready for what's going to be the biggest gig of their lives for a lot of these artists? Um, 
I think there's something much more mature in this. I think it feels initially like it's a song which is being a little bit introspective about mental health. But actually, I think there's a there's an optimism, there's a hope there that I don't think was there in Alcohol You. Yeah. It feels, it feels very, a, a different vibe to it. So it's still quite heavy going, but it does feel a little bit more um, optimistic. This is in the middle bracket for me. This is in the could go either way. I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't qualify, but I could see it, you know, scraping into the, the lower half of the, the qualifiers. Song 14, Azerbaijan, Matahari by Effendi. I have the shortest review in the world for this. Okay. Just like Cleopatra. (laughs) (laughs) Those three words just sum it up because it is... A homage to last year's entry. There are so many elements that are trying to reflect the magic that I felt was there with that song. And it's sounding like a slightly cheap imitation. Yeah. Elephant in the Room is Cleopatra, really. Um, you can't get away from it. It's interesting because there are some great songwriters on it. The uh, Tony Cornelison is... Um, someone who's written for Cascada. He wrote The Glorious, the 2013 entry for Cascada. I don't know what happened to that. Yeah, although I did actually love that song. Uh, Sakis Ruvas, Tiesto, you know, worked with Martin Garrix and Paris Hilton. You know, these are big, you know, names. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily stars, but big names. Mm-hmm. And so there's great songwriting chops here. Although lyrically, this is clunky as fuck. Yeah. I get the intent, you're trying to bring back something, but if you're going to do it, you need to do it better, different, elevated, something else, just not a 2.0 version of the song. It's a bit too try-hard, but the voting public won't know about. No, a lot of people won't. I mean, I like the kind of, you know, the return of the biographical banger, (laughs) uh, taking a woman from history and um, putting her centre stage again. I mean, I say this is cheap. I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it because it's just frothy and light. It's qualifying, right? It's in that middle bracket for me as well. I think it could go either way. I think it might not qualify because of its cheapness. Um... But then the cheapness is one of the things that I really like about it. I don't know. This I'm really interested to see how taking a woman who was executed for being a Dutch woman, who was executed for being a spy, whose history is being reevaluated, and taking her back to the Netherlands and using her name really to hang a cheap piece of fluff around. From from an Azerbaijan perspective, yeah. which has absolutely no connection to Exactly, it. yeah. I just kind of wonder, have you thought this through? <laughs> As to what, you know, how it might be received by the local audience. That said, I, you know, it's a glorious three minutes. I'm dying to see what they do with it, just as I was dying to see what they did with Cleopatra. I'm sure I'm going to love it because it's it's up there. It's, in, you know, my personal top ten 
because it's fun. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's fun and silly and lighthearted. But if I'm critiquing it as a serious piece of music, it's wanting. Well, moving on. Song 15 is Ukraine Go A with Shum. Uh, thoughts? Well, I was pleased that Goe were coming back because I really quite liked what they did last year. And this is one of the entries that I think has had a bit of a glow up. I think there's more to this that's going to have broader appeal. Um, it's really, it's still keeping to their seemingly what the band do of taking a traditional style and putting a modern twist on it. So it's got that kind of real traditional folk singing, um, but it's got that kind of, you know, dance music, electronica over the top. I think this is really interesting because it's got like a shifting, not a shifting time signal, it's got a shifting um, uh, speed to it. What's the word of tempo she's got a shifting tempo to it so it gets progressively quicker and quicker and more frenzied um and it feels like you know the video's got a bit of an element of the the pipe piper about it you know sort of charming these um people through music and it's shot it seems to be shot within the exclusion zone around chernobyl you yeah. can see the power plant at one point and you know having visited uh pripyat and chernobyl while i was in ukraine it's like it's a really it's an area of huge interest for me. Um, I just love this. I think this is going to go down really, really well. This would appeal absolutely across Eastern Europe and has something different and innovative and unique about it enough to appeal to the more adventurous audience of Western Europe. Let's be honest, voting public don't tend to be adventurous. They might go for something a bit quirky and a bit different, but there's a harshness, like an Eastern European harshness to go a which I love, but I don't know whether that plays for them or against them when it comes to Eurovision, when it comes to the vote. This is another song which is an enigma to me. If it doesn't qualify, I get it, but I I hope it does. I think it's just going to miss out. I think it's just going to miss out. It'll be a shame if it does, yeah. because this is the kind of song that would come into its own in the final when you've got everybody watching and a much, much bigger audience. Anyway, song 16, the last one in this semi-final is Malta, It's Destiny with Jumakas. Well, this is this is my personal favourite of 2021, and a song which I actually think will win overall as well. I can separate my opinion from what I think will happen. Uh, a a returnee from 2020, of course, um, a returnee that's gone away, thought about it, come back with a perfectly aligned song and singer, which I think you couldn't really say about her last year. There, but there was some talk about her not quite singing a song that's quite believable for her, someone her age. But this is bang on the money. It's fun, light-hearted in places, carries a strong female empowerment message. The vocal is shit hot. 
We know she can sing. She's ready for this. My only question is staging. Malta's not known for great staging. Not that they mess things up like other countries do mm-hmm. consistently, but they, I wouldn't necessarily say that they know how to stage a winning Eurovision song. That's my one and only question. Everything else, this is great song, great singer. Yeah, this is top five for sure. Then it's down really to who they buy in to do that choreography and staging for them. I agree this is a cracking song. I like most of it. Um, I don't like the chorus. I think the chorus really lets it down. Uh, there's some of the songs that there are parts of it that I just can't get past this year. This is not one of them. I can get over the chorus, um, but I don't. I think it lets it down. For me, if it, if there's going to be a reason that this doesn't do really well, it's going to be that chorus or the lack of it, I feel. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. She's gone away. She's grown up in that year and she can sing a song like this now. I think last year they were they gave her a song which was an adult song and she was still in between being young woman and a woman. So this is really quite nice to see that she's come back with some sass and she's got a bit of identity and a bit of character to her now and she can be playful in that more adult way but it's not overtly sexual it's kind of it's about desire and about you know there's a bit of kind of sexual frisk on there but it's a much more playful um version of it and it's something which is kind of it's aligning her a little bit with the kind of same message as Netta had with Toy. There's, a, there's an echo of the same kind of message here. And it's female empowerment and it's brilliant. Yeah. I just love it. I love the way that this lifts her as an artist up as well. Mm. And it's all owned by her. It's all from yeah. her perspective. And you like, I believe it. You're in control of this whole message that you're yes. delivering to us on stage. But also you feel like she could break out of the character and have a laugh about what she's doing. Yes. Because she knows she's playing a role there yeah. as well. It's, it's really nicely balanced, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Only the damn chorus was better. <laughs> <laughs> so there we have it. That is 16 songs. That is the first semi-final. Woo! Woo! <laughs> no messing about, because we're going to be back next week with uh, semi-final two, and then we've got the finalists after that. So we hope you've enjoyed being part of our first bonus episode please get in touch so you, as you know we love to hear from you or on twitter at second cherry instagram at second underscore cherry and facebook at second cherry podcast and you can also send us an email to hello at secondcherry.vision. That's hello. At secondcherry.vision. You know that we love to read your letters and your missives, so do pop us through a, a memo. Yeah, we enjoyed that last year. Yeah. Write in, tell us we're wrong. Don't yeah. tell us that. No, tell I love it. it. Tell us we're fabulous. I like the friction. <laughs> and we're not friends of our listeners. Yeah, haven't been. <laughs> But yeah, look, we'll leave it there and uh, join us next week where we're going to tackle the second semi-final. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye.